Good morning. It's good to be together or apart together. I hope none of us feel like this guy. Option B, anything has to be better than this. I mean, I know I don't. Someone emailed me this week, Mike, what does it say about our family that we are driving one another insane? And I told her, I hope it means you're normal. Let's be merciful with each other and ourselves. And if you need permission to self-quarantine from your kids or your spouse or from your parents, there it is. Let's also remember our family and friends and neighbors who live alone and would love to have option A problems. So happy Easter. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? And so I will. And I just did. But honestly, it feels more aspirational than real right now. I know there are many silver linings to what we're experiencing. And frankly, I've been surprised by how many storyliners are finding ways to enjoy this change of pace involved in social distancing and and the stay-at-home orders. Uh, Seems like we're a gritty and resilient bunch, and I love that about us. Still, this is hard, and that's an understatement. I mean, even if you're healthy and everyone you know is healthy, this is hard. Certainly, if you're working in healthcare, this is very hard. Some of us have lost our jobs. All of us have lost a lot of freedom, maybe our patience, possibly our minds, and even at times, our tempers. This isn't easy. Like everyone else, Mike and I and the gathering team, we're struggling to figure out how to do what we do, like how to do this here online. And and we don't know what we're doing. And you might notice that this week is going to look very different from last week because we're just making this up as we go. So, I mean, I guess some things never change. But we're all out of sorts. Nothing is normal. Although, I will say, Lisa and I had to go out last week, and as we were driving around town, she kind of gave me this look, and I knew exactly what she meant. So, without a word, I drove past the place I knew she wanted to go. And we were both hopeful. I mean, we were both just praying. And who knew this was deemed as an essential business? But folks, I'm here to tell you, Dairy Queen is still open. In the middle of the afternoon, the drive through all the way around the building. And when I got to the window, I asked the kid taking my entire stimulus check for the one month supply of dilly bars being loaded into our trunk. Don't judge, some of us hoard toilet paper. I asked this kid, how busy just have you guys been? And he said, it's like this constantly. I mean, you, you've got to love America. By order of the government, shut everything down, close the schools, stay home, manufacture more masks, create a vaccine, and as fast as possible, and for God's sakes, keep the blizzards coming. One of the late night hosts says, I haven't obtained COVID-19, but I have attained the COVID-15. It's important to laugh. Laughter gives us a sense of control when we're stuck in a moment that we can't get out of. I I laughed out loud at these emails I received this week. 30 days hath September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except March, which has 8,000. <laughs> Homeschooling is going well. Two students suspended for fighting, and one teacher fired for starting it. And this, this one just killed me. If you need 100 rolls of toilet paper to get through the month, you should have been seeing a doctor long before con- coronavirus. This morning, I um, 
have a lot that I'd love to say to us about Easter. And it's supposed to be something that is poignant and important and good, and I hope it will be, but I'm not sure it will be because I think we're all in very, very different places. But I want to say, don't be afraid to laugh, to joke, to try and have fun. But that isn't the whole story, and it can't be because this isn't easy. I've been watching some online church services just to try and see what in the world we're supposed to be doing, which is something I never do because, as I've shared many times at at our gatherings, contemporary church services and um, expressions of what faith looks like, they just don't work for me. And that's not their fault, and I've come to a piece about realizing it's not mine either. It is just is what it is. But as I watched some of these online services, I, I was reminded of one of the reasons traditional church and conventional expressions of faith are so hard for me. And it comes down to this. It just all seems way too easy. The belief is like flying around the room, like it's just in the air. Like living with hope and faith and love is as natural as breathing and as fun as singing and as normal as cheering for your favorite team. And I'm not going to lie. For me, it isn't. In the best of times, the life of faith in God's grace isn't a happy, easy faith for me. If it is for you, that's great. But if you resonate with Storyline, you've probably arrived here by taking the long way. And you might know what I mean when I say, I don't have that easy, stand-up, straight, smile all the time, Easter bonnet, put on your Sunday best kind of happy faith. The truth is, I believe and I don't. I get it and then I forget it. I find it and then I lose it. I think that's why I struggle to feel at home like I can really belong in settings where everyone else seems like they can just believe easily and happily all the time. Someone new to Storyline recently said to, me, said to me, Mike, I don't get it. I thought you were supposed to be giving us all the easy answers, and instead you're always asking the hard questions. Like I said, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. I just know that for me, trying to live in and live out God's grace is a daily joy struggle. It's not easy, and it's not happy. Not all the time. It's much more like what I saw my wife go through giving birth to our children. It's like labor. Lots of deep breathing, leaning into the fear and pain and unknown for something that's within me, whether I like it or not. So for me, watching these online services was a stark reminder of how out of place I feel in that setting, how foreign happy, easy faith is for me. It's like everyone else has had like an epidural and I'm in there having back labor. And I realize now, looking back, this is why I couldn't do church. And also, I realize now, it was reading the Bible for myself and being exposed to the Jesus of the Bible that I found there and his first followers versus the happy, easy faith of churchianity that that changed everything for me. It's been, it has been in finding that there and been, been finding that there are others like me 
for whom faith is not easy. It's just not like breathing. It's not as happy as singing. That keeps me, bringing me back to this labor of love and hopefully of hope and joy. This labor that we call living in and, and living out the grace of God. So this morning, especially on this Easter morning, stuck in the middle of whatever this is we're going through, I want to share with you how letting go of this easy, happy, sure and certain, this triumphal view of what I thought faith had to look like and finding a very different story in the Bible, how that has changed everything for me. And not so much turned me toward God as it's helped me to realize that he's been behind me and before me and with me all along. The first time I saw it in the Bible, what faith looks like and feels like to me was in this little story in Mark chapter 9. A desperate father brought his very sick son to Jesus. Now, every parent knows the full, total, complete way we love our children. Yet, how powerless we are to really protect them. I mean, we can fool ourselves into thinking we can keep them safe, and so we try, and to some extent we do. And then life kicks in, and we realize sooner or later we can't ultimately protect them even from themselves. Now, this father was going through that kind of anguish because whatever was wrong with his son, it wasn't just harming him physically. His boy was also in psychological distress. He was actually trying to hurt himself. And, and the father was convinced that he was going to kill himself sooner or later. So he brought his son to Jesus. Can you imagine being in that situation? He brought his son to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, if you can, please heal my son. It was an act of love and desperation for sure, but was it an act of faith? Jesus looked at the father and said, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And then listen to this response. In the most important moment of this man's life, a time when he was just told by God that faith, belief, is what he needs to have, what he has to show and display, the Bible says the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I've read that the first time and I thought, that's me. I get that. Maybe there's something here for me. And then I kept reading the Bible and I discovered that every time someone encounters God or an angel, the first few words spoken to them are always the same, and it's this, do not be afraid. It happens so often, I actually looked it up, and this blew me away. Do you know how many times that phrase is used in the Bible? 365 times. Perfect, because I'm afraid every day. Maybe I can do this. And then I turn to the life of Jesus, and it's shocking because even Jesus, who the Bible claims is the author and perfecter of faith, he didn't have an easy, happy faith. The night of the Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows he's been betrayed, and he knows that he's going to be arrested soon. And he is begging God for a way out. He's so scared, he sweat drops of blood. I looked this up too. The Garden of Gethsemane 
was in an olive grove. And that garden was the place in that grove where the olives were taken to be squeezed to get the oil out. In fact, Gethsemane means the place of pressing. So, confused, questioning, scared, under pressure. Is that what faith can look like? Because I get that. And then I read the story of Good Friday, Jesus' crucifixion, and Easter, his resurrection, and I realized that easy, happy faith is nowhere to be found, certainly not from Jesus' best friends and not even from him. His best friends abandon him when it hits the fan. They go into hiding, scared to death. Jesus yells out to God when he's on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Honestly, I remember reading these passages wondering, where are the Easter bonnets and the chocolate bunnies, the big smiles and hands raised in the air and confident prayers? Where's the parade? Where's the certainty? Where is the easy, happy faith? You know, sometimes I wonder if easy, happy faith, this bold, like, I know what I know and I believe what I believe faith, died on the cross with Jesus. And what was resurrected on Easter was something very, very different. Because if you look at the faith displayed by people in the Bible, it was grittier, so much guttier, so much more honest. It was way more humble than what we see on TV or what we hear from street preachers. And it was much more concerned with loving others and God than believing boldly and easily and happily. What we see rising up on Easter is a much higher love. I totally get why Jesus' best friends hid in fear, self-quarantined from the crap show that their life suddenly became when he was arrested. That I get. It doesn't take a lot of imagination for me to see myself terrified face-to-face with an angel or to understand how Jesus could be in shock from fear in the garden or feel totally abandoned on the cross. That I also get. What I didn't get about the easy, happy faith of churchianity, I found in the faith of Jesus, his first followers and those who encounter God in the Bible. It isn't easy or happy. It's very often desperate, confused, and scared. Faith in the Bible, on the face and in the heart of Jesus and his first followers is a hushed and hesitant faith, and I hope that's what makes it holy. It's an Easter faith, and it seems as imperfect, fickle, fearful, and as weak as I know I am yet. And here's the thing. Over and over again, this kind of faith is enough. Enough for the resurrected Jesus to come through a locked door to find a friend who's isolated in fear. Enough for God to resurrect a confused and doubting Jesus on Easter. And enough for God to forgive the sins of the world through it. Do you suppose it's possible that maybe we've made Easter safe and warm and fuzzy because we want it to be easy and happy? When the truth is, it's, it terrified everyone, even Jesus. What if it is only in living through these labor pains, the sweat and the tears, the doubt and the fear, that, 
that we can ever hope to give birth to a faith that brings us peace and joy. What we see in those who were there on Easter morning wasn't easy smiles and happiness. It was almost an almost violent inner struggle to run toward and at the very same time run for their lives, not knowing which direction was which. When you think about God, when you think about Easter, do you know that feeling, that belief, and that unbelief? What if that's enough? And what if all of this taken together in the big hot mess that sometimes makes up life in our lives, what if we are what we're going through now? What if the uncertainty and the hope, the confusion and the courage, the belief and the unbelief, what if that is not only what is just true, what if it is just admitting that that makes us like the first followers of Jesus? What if it is just the beginning of what makes us in the end like Jesus? I guess what I'm hoping we'll see is as nice and as fun as it is, or as it seems, to have easy, happy faith, there is no need to resent or even envy those who do. But let's remember that for the rest of us, for those of us who struggle to believe, who can barely hope to hope, who can wonder in awe at the same time that we're riddled with doubt, for those of us who pretend to hate social distancing but secretly really like it, and for those who pretend we're doing okay, staying at home, but are really dying inside. Let's remember it is that kind of faith, the scared kind, the kind that filled, the kind that's filled with inner struggle that also filled the disciples. It's that kind of faith that Jesus had in the garden and on the cross. It's that kind of faith that looks much more like the faith in the Bible than easy, happy faith. And just maybe that kind of faith is enough for the God who loves us desperately. Please remember, when we say too easily or too happily, he is risen on Easter morning, that is not at all what the biblical Easter, mor Easter morning looked like. Easter morning faith is the kind that tears you in two because you want to shout for joy and hide in silence. You want to run toward the empty tomb and run for the hills. You're shaking with joy and fear. And here's why. Because you believe, yet you don't believe. If this Easter morning you find yourself holed up, isolated, with more than a little anxiety about the future, what now, what next, wondering what went wrong and, and where is God, then please know this. After that desperate father told Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, Jesus healed his son. Maybe that's because believing and not believing is the best we can do. And thank God, even on Easter morning, especially on Easter morning, 
that's enough. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to be apart together. It's especially difficult on Easter morning when we think we're supposed to come together easily and happily proclaim that you are risen, but maybe this year, unsure and confused and isolated and anxious, Easter can actually mean more for us than it ever has as we begin to see how real life and real faith actually fit together in real ways. Jesus, we believe, help our unbelief, and more than anything, help us to believe that kind of faith is enough for you to die instead of us and rise again for us and then come to us and whisper to our souls, do not be afraid. I pray that as we sign off this morning and log back into real life, that kind of faith would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in your name we pray.